we're starting a new sermon series called Lights and Love. It's, I'm really excited about this one because we're going to be going through. This was supposed to be for a later. I'm looking at you two right there. We're starting a new sermon series called Light and Love. It's about 1 John, the book of 1 John. Who here read 1 John chapter 1? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Be bold and proud. Okay, we got like six of you, maybe six. Okay, that's fine. We'll work with it. All right, that's seven. That's seven now. Okay, we'll work with it. But um, before we get started, I just want to let you guys know that tomorrow night at Tribes, we're actually having a big tribe mashup here at Journey Church. So all tribes are welcome to come here. Um, even if you're not in a tribe, we want to invite you to come here. We're going to have some pizza, but um, one of the bigger things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be helping out our outreach ministry at Journey and doing what we do every year and helping them assemble those Operation Christmas Child boxes. It's going to be a lot of fun, you guys. We're going to be looking into that some more next week, but uh, it's going to just be fun. We're going to have pizza. We're just going to have a good time. So, all right. I just I want to try something. Um, I'm going to do like highs and lows. Just like, just, I'm just pick a couple. What were some like this week's highs? Just like, Jackson, what's up? He performed Alice in Wonderland and he did an amazing job. I had the honor to go see it. He did great. What are some other highs we got out here? Yes. Trick or treating. Does anyone else go trick or treating? Awesome. What's up? You got a what? You got a, oh, he got a lawnmower. I guess that's a high. I guess that's a high. Okay. <laughs> well, he's taking the blades off, and he's, he's doing, he's, he's not lawn mowing, let's just say that, so. All right, highs and lows went so good. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to move on into our series. We're going to talk about 1 John, and I need a volunteer to read 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 7. Someone, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab it, flip to there, I've got your phone, um, first person that can open it up to that book and comes up here will get at least one of these packs of cookies. I've got a few to home. He really needs these cookies, guys. If you, can, if you can come up here and read it, first person to come up here and read it, I will give you one or two of these. Let's just say that. <laughs> no, you can just come up. Yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to read verse 5. You're going to read verse 6. And I know Jackson wanted verse 7. So Jackson, come on up here. Yes. All right. First, you don't even have it ready. Okay, you're reading verse 5. Oh, he's got it on the papers. <laughs> all right, all right. Read, let's read verse 5 for me. Yeah, just verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and, him and declare to you that God is blank. <laughs> See, this is, the, this is the disadvantage. But yeah, keep going, keep going. And in him is no darkness at all. Awesome. I'm going to give you one of these. Let's give him a round of applause, you guys. Let's do it. You got one. All right. You got verse 6. 1 John chapter 1. Okay, that's just regular John. That's not 1 John. There's a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. There's, there's a regular John. John? another 1 John? Because, I mean, it's... You know, that is a great question. And probably... <laughs> I guess that is... John. All right. Do the real 1 John. No, no, no. The real first John. Real first John. Where is? It's near the, the near the end. Where is the second first John? The second first John. Okay. That's hilarious. Here, do you just want to use my Bible? Yes. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Yes. All right, yes. you keep looking. 
chapter 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Good job. Give him a round of applause, you guys. You got one of these. All right, Jackson, finish it up. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Oh, you're on third John. No, you're not. No, you're on, you're on the fake first John. What's the difference? <laughs> here, here. Just check, just check out mine. Just check out mine. But if we walk in the light, he is, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. Good job. Take one. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Give him a round of applause, you guys. It's great. That actually worked out really well. And I need a volunteer who can pray. Somebody that can pray, anybody. You are, you've been up way a lot. Jessica, come on up. Give her a round of applause, you guys. Awesome, we're gonna, get, we're gonna get some participation here tonight. Jessica, let's pray, and I'll reward you with cookies. I don't want cookies. You can you give those to someone else. All right, I'll let you give them to okay. someone else. Thank you, Lord, for this night that we are able to come together and learn more about you and be able to come closer with you. Lord, I pray over all these students' minds that they will understand what is being told to them and they will connect it and imply it in their lives. Jesus, I thank you for all the things that you've done for us and provided for us today or this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Here you go. Pass them off if you don't want them. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and read the passage of scripture and that's good. this is gonna be our key passage tonight. We're gonna be sitting in this passage a whole night, these same three verses. So let me read them to you real quick. I'm gonna be using my, my real Bible just because I like it a lot. But we're, we're looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, This is the message from which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. Everybody say, God is light. God is, God is light. That is right. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. So we're talking about what it looks like to move from walking in darkness to walking in light. So um, how many of you guys went to a haunted house this past week? Just lift up your hand. It's all good. No judgment here. All right, we've got a couple people. Got a couple people. Um, I've been to a couple haunted houses before. Um, I went to more escape rooms, though, and I realized something. Escape rooms are just haunted houses for homeschoolers, right? Like, that's kind of what it is. Escape rooms are just haunted houses for homeschoolers. But I've been to a few haunted houses in my day. But as I was thinking about that, one thing it reminded me of was when I was a kid. You know, I was probably 10, 11, 12, something in that range. Um, we would go over to, me and my sisters would go over to our cousin's house, and we would play this game. Brittany might remember. Okay, she knows where I'm going with this. We would play this game called Haunted House. And what we would do is they had an unfinished basement, so it had a bunch of, like, you know, two-by-fours, like, strung up everywhere. And we would split, our, we split each other up into two teams. One team would be the haunters, and the other team would be the hauntees, okay? And... Um, this was actually a really good game. We played it a lot. But the haunters, their job was to go into the basement while the hunties waited upstairs. And those people would, like, try to make the basement the scariest they possibly could. And, you know, we didn't have, like, we're 11. We didn't have, like, funds or anything. So we're just, like, using stuff that we had. And then the hunties would go through the haunted house that we made. We'd turn off all the lights. And then we would switch. And I don't know how we scored 
Maybe just like Monsters, Inc. style with just amount of screams, like, I don't know, like the decibels or something. But we would do that. And I remember I had one, one of my strategies whenever I was a haunter. This sounds great, guys, in church, right? But one of my strategies was I would get on those, like one of those chairs with wheels, like the rolly chairs. I would sit on it. And, you know, the lights are off, okay? It's like pitch black down there because it would be like, you know, 9 o'clock at night or something. And I'd grab a flashlight and just point it directly up at my face and then just wheel around expressionless everywhere, like just randomly coming out of corners, like turning off the light to get skitter off to somewhere else and then come back with, you know, right in front of them and start going towards them. I, I was a weird kid, honestly. Like there was, if you can't tell, I was homeschooled. I, I went to a lot of escape rooms, so if you can't tell. But yeah, we would we'd play that game a lot. And um, my question for you is, is this is, why is darkness so scary? Like, what makes, it, what makes it not desirable? What do you guys think? Don't know where you're going, can't see anything. Fear of the unknown. That's exactly what I was looking for. It's the fear of the unknown. It's, about, it's, it's less about the light levels, right? And it's more about what's lurking inside of the dark, right? Like, you never know if 11-year-old Sean's going to come up on a rolly chair and a flashlight. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, here's the thing. At any moment, without your knowledge, if you're in the darkness, you don't know that an 11-year-old with a rolly chair and a flashlight is not in the darkness. Like, you cannot guarantee that for yourself until you turn the lights on, right? And that's what makes the darkness not very desirable. So I'm going to read our key passage again and just kind of, like, think about it in that way. So we've talked about God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him Yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth, but if we walk in the light, he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we're walking in the light versus walking in the darkness, if we're, if we're walking with God in the darkness or walking with relationships with one another in the darkness, that means the other person you're walking with intentionally or unintentionally has no idea what's going on inside of you. Right? That means you're, you're either intentionally or unintentionally holding things back from that person. And that's what it means when it's saying walking in darkness. So, and so what that looks like when we're walking with God is we aren't being somebody that's walking light. We're, we're having things inside of us that we're not opening up to, either to our friends, either to God himself even, um, or even sometimes to ourselves. So when someone is walking so it's specifically, what, when, what does it look like when someone who is a Christian saved to walk in darkness? As someone who fits this description, I have a few different things figured. I've had, someone who walks in the darkness has the appearance of being a Christian, but isn't living like a Christian, right? And so someone who says they walk, someone who says they have fellowship with God, yet walks in darkness, is someone who goes to church, right? Someone who even goes to a small group. Uh, maybe they even serve, and maybe they're even reading their Bible every day. Yet at the same time, they're missing an important piece of what it means to have an intimate relationship with somebody, and that's authenticity, that's vulnerability. And that's what it looks like to be a Christian that's walking in darkness, yet saying we're in fellowship with God. And that's the danger that this little short passage is telling us is don't do that because if you're doing that, you cannot get close to God. You know, I talked a couple weeks ago about how God is love and that we can't, nothing can separate us from the love of God, yet we can disassociate ourselves from it. 
we can block it off in our hearts. We can separate ourselves because of free will. And so they know someone who's walking in darkness yet is claiming to be a Christian knows what it looks like to be a Christian, but they're not allowing God to truly, honestly, and genuinely have influence or make any sort of meaningful internal impact on their life. And I know that can be kind of hard to hear, and that can be something that's, you know, maybe we just think that's not me, that's someone else, but I think we all have areas in our life that this can apply to. Um, it can take many different forms. It can be someone, like I just said, that, you know, claims to be a Christian but is not walking in light, is not, is not living like a Christian. Um, this can be someone who is saved and spirit-filled but is dealing with a secret or hidden sin or addiction or shame from their childhood. We'll hit on that in just a little bit. It can be someone that's completely saved, that like it genuinely is desiring to walk in the light, genuinely desiring to be a Christian and let God have that influence. But there's just a little stronghold in their life that's maybe it's an addiction to pornography, maybe it's a drug addiction, um, maybe it's even something small that's like compulsive lying or gossip but they're not willing to take that into the light. And again, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But the point point is we need to recognize where we are truly and honestly at. We need to know where we are if we're ever going to get to where we need to be. And I wanna be real with you guys for just a little bit. I wanna be open. I hope that's all right for me to do. Um, And I just wanna share some of my experience that I've had with walking in darkness for a long time. Um, I've shared with this with on stage here before, and with many of you guys know about this, but from about 15 to, I would say, 20, 21 years old, I I had a big addiction to pornography. And it had a big hold on my life, had a big hold on my thought life, on my emotional life. And just like any addiction, just like any spirit, it begins to take root in other forms. It begins to spread and multiply. And I would say I, I lived with that for a very long time. I walked with that for a very long time, um, like I said, about five, six years, and I fit the bill of walking in darkness in that area of my life. I would say I definitely checked the box. I never told anybody, or like until, you know, I, for a long time I didn't tell anybody. I barely talked to God about it, unless it was me like crying and repenting in front of him and hope, just asking him not to be mad at me. And I just dealt with this for a, a long time. And I would say, I think I was 17, 18 years old when I finally confessed it to my small group, actually here at Elevate. And, um, and I, it took a ton of courage, and it was a, definitely a moment of vulnerability. But I would say what, that, what started in that moment led to my eventual freedom. I brought it into the light for everyone to see. I said, hey, this is where I'm at. I am ashamed. I am upset. Like, I don't want to be here. And... I'll tell you this, I honestly thought I was going to lose friends in that moment. Looking back, it is so ridiculous that I even thought that because of like how they've responded. And obviously, like, you know, once you're in that atmosphere, like once you're in that headspace of not telling anybody, you can conjure up any sort of lie you want. But I honestly thought I was going to lose friends over it. But it took a lot of courage. And it wasn't perfect. Like I wasn't truly broken from that until several years later but it was definitely the necessary first step. When I brought it into the light, I brought it out of the realm of darkness from my heart, out of the realm of hiding it, of covering it up, of putting a a shadow over it, and I brought it into the light for everyone to see. I brought it out of the realm of darkness and put it into the realm of light. I love how the Passion Translation shares 
this verse. Um, it's the verse we've been reading. It says 1 John 1, 6-7 in the Passion Translation. It says, If we claim that we share life with him but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Jesus, surrounds him, surrounds God, we share unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And so for me, I needed deliverance. I needed to be set free from that. I needed it gone. And the thing is, as long as it's in the dark, nothing from God will ever grow in the dark. And that's something I've heard a speaker say before, that nothing that God gives, nothing good that God gives will ever grow in the dark. So we can be safe to say that anything that has residence in darkness needs to be brought into the light, right? Because nothing of God will grow in the dark. And so the issue, my issue was only going to grow in the darkness, so I brought it into the light. But here's the thing. I was still addicted to it. It was great that it was in the light. Like I had, now I had support. I had emotional support. I had accountability. And some of you guys might have gone through this before too. You've brought it up. You brought it into the light, but you were still having that issue. Like I got an accountability partner. I fought with it. Um, almost every night I would fight against this issue. And some of you know the struggle. I would fight. I bought online resources that helped control like my internet habits. I read books. I read articles. I studied techniques and strategies and principles and mindsets. I talked to mentors, friends, coworkers on their strategy. But here's the thing. Nothing worked. Nothing changed that for me. Nothing changed. Nothing meaning, nothing would, would have changed. Nothing did change. And I didn't truly get free from it until I realized something very important. There was an extremely important piece that I was missing, and it took me almost seven, six, seven years to find it. Once I put this missing piece into the puzzle, my freedom from pornography was almost instantaneous for me. And I'm not saying this is for everybody, for, for me, it was almost instantaneous. In fact, it, I would say it even happened that day once I was having this, I got coffee with somebody, and they shared with me the missing piece. And since that day, I've been freed from addiction to pornography for almost five years now. And I want to share with you guys what that is. And this doesn't, this doesn't just apply to this area. This can apply to any sort of addiction, any sort of um, sin that you're dealing with, any sort of shame that might have happened to you in your childhood. It doesn't matter. The principle applies. And to look at it, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live as those who are native born to the light, for the fruit, the effect, the result of life, light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You see, when, what someone shared with me that day was it's not about not doing something. It's about becoming someone. And that changed my mindset quite a bit. It changed my mindset, and I realized my goal was not to avoid pornography as much as it was to pursue someone who is pure. My goal was not to avoid lust and temptation, and again, we still obviously do those all the time, but instead my focus was to become someone that was a child of light, become someone that was a true, pure son of God. And once that mindset sh shifted, that changed everything for me because I realized 
I don't need to fight pornography on my own. I need to pursue being a child that is pure. I need to pursue love. I need to pursue joy. I need to pursue kindness, not because those are things I need to get, but that's because that is God is calling me of those things of someone to be. And so what I want to share with you tonight is to focus on becoming someone to be instead of something to not do. And that is so important. Focus on becoming someone to be instead of something to not do. And so this applies to every area. If you are struggling with anger, if you feel on yourself becoming angry all the time, um, whether that's like at a TV show or at your parents or siblings or school, whatever that looks like, don't put all of your effort into not doing angry things, but become a person of peace. Become a child of peace. Become one that is walking in the light of God. And we still do those things. We still have those strategies and techniques. But I think too many times we think we have to fight the darkness to save ourselves. Because how many of you guys know that's just a works-based mentality, right? Like if, we are if our salvation from addiction is dependent on our ability to fight the addiction, that's a works-based mentality. God has delivered us from that. And he has given us a new name, given us a new identity. Jesus needs to fight for us. The Holy Spirit needs to fight for us. And we just have to let him. We just have to let him. We still have a role and a responsibility to play, but most of our effort and our focus should be going towards becoming a pure person or becoming a person of peace or a person of kindness or of joy. And that's where our focus needs to be. And the problem is if we just avoid darkness without pursuing to become someone of light, then we are left empty. Let me put this in example, just my example. What I was doing was I was fighting the pornography in my life. And sometimes I would win, right? And I would be, I would get it out, and then you know maybe a couple weeks or even a month or two would go by, but it would come back. And that's because what I was doing is I was leaving myself empty and vulnerable. But when we pursue a name, when we pursue a calling or an upwards calling or an identity, that replaces our current issue, our addiction, our sin, whatever that looks like, and then fills us up. Because now instead of I'm just, I'm not lustful and then nothing else, you are a positive. You are I am pure. I'm not just not lustful, I am pure now. And then when lust tries to get in my life, I can say no to that because I am pure. If, I, if you're not just not depressed, you are content, peace, kind, joyful, right? And then when that thing tries to come back again, you actually have a defense. You have a shield on yourself now that say, no, that's not me because I'm joyful. That's not me because I'm kind. That's not me because I'm content. That's not me because I'm pure. You need a name. You need an identity. You need an upward calling. And let me tell you guys, that's throughout the entire Bible, twice over. And I just want to challenge you to find that scripture. You, don't, you never slide into light. You never slide into light. You know, natural light is extremely aggressive. The Bible says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. You know, when you go into the room, you go into your room and you flip the light switch, there's not a tug-of-war battle between light and darkness, right? Like the light, you just flip the switch, and then the light just takes up the entire room. It just fills up the entire room. Now, if you were to go into your room without a light source, how many of you guys know that would be pretty hard to fight off the darkness, right? We get the light because it says God is light. 
He's not made of light. He's not the inventor of light. He is light. And so when we walk into the room, we, are, we need to bring God's light with us and let it overtake the darkness for us. And then we live in the light. Then we walk in the light. But if you never make the choice to allow light into your room or into your heart or into your mind, you'll be stuck sitting in darkness trying to get rid of the darkness without any sort of light source. You know, because darkness has the illusion of safety, right? Um, if, like, let me put an example. If you're being chased by a serial killer in your house, I don't want to give you guys imagery, <laughs> but if you're being chased by a serial killer in your house, just, just let me know. What are some things you would do to protect yourself? Has anyone else had these thoughts before? Like, I had this thought, like, two in the morning last night. I was just thinking, like, what would I do right now? What, what are some things? What do you got? How would you protect yourself if a serial killer was in your house? You'd shoot it, okay. What'd you say? Throw a pot? Okay, nice. Kitchen, I hear kitchen, I hear shooting. Lots of violence, man, okay, yeah. Okay, so Lindsay says turn off the lights, then hit him with something. What? A what? <laughs> Whoa. Leave the house. I guess you could leave the house. But I've thought about this a lot. I've thought about this a lot. And I don't know if it's like a guy thing or if it's just an everybody thing. But I've thought about this a lot. And if it was just you in the house, and let's say you didn't have any form of weapon, the best thing that I would do, and this is my strategy, is I would just find, like I would either go under my bed or find some inconspicuous closet and then try to find a way to get out the window. But I can't, I can't do that anymore because I have a son and a wife. And if I were to do that and just leave them out in the open, how many of you guys know I'd have like worst father of the year, right? Like I'm putting them between me. That would not be good. But like hiding, I think, you know, if, if you knew you couldn't attack the person, I think that's a perfect and normal way to respond from someone trying to harm you, right? Like we don't know their motivation. Like maybe we cause them harm or maybe they're, you know, if you're a businessman, maybe it's like a business rival trying to take you out or something like that. I don't know. But like, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. Like maybe they want revenge or justice or maybe it's just blind rage. I don't know. I'm not going to make it up for this imaginary scenario. But like you see in a good example of people hiding, you know, you see that in the Bible with Adam and Eve. Like, um, you see them that when they sinned, they committed a sin and they, they felt bad and they're like, they felt ashamed and they felt like, they, what they do, they, they hid themselves from God, you know? They hid themselves from God. And I always laughed at them because it's like they know God, right? Like they walked with him. They literally walked with the physical presence of God in the garden and then all of a sudden they feel like they can't trust him. And I realized I was doing the same thing with my pornography addiction. I was hiding from God. I was covering myself up. I was saying, no, this isn't good. I put it in the darkness. I, I said, I'm not going to. My immediate response was to bury it instead of bringing it into the light. And that's when shame set in. That's when fear started to take hold of my life. That's when anxiety started to take hold. And I was dealing with all these issues all because I wouldn't bring it into the light, into the light of God. All because I wouldn't allow God's identity to wash over me. So to talk a little bit more about this, um, I recorded a video to talk about it. It's just a couple minutes long, so let's check it out. Talking 
about how when we're dealing with secret sin, for a lot of us, we want to take that sin and take that shame and just bury it in darkness and not tell anybody, not even God or Jesus about it. And um, it's ultimately because of we fear rejection that we don't want it to get out into the light because we feel like we're gonna be rejected because of the shame or the sin of what happened in our past or what we are in ongoing, um, what we're doing ongoing. And so we fear rejection, we fear that if it's brought into the light, then there will be rejection because of that, either from others, from our friends, from our church, or even from God that we just fear the rejection, so we feel like we need to hide it in darkness. Now, there's a story in the Bible of a woman that was caught in adultery, and the Pharisees were a religious group at the time that were mostly opposed to Jesus to preserve the law that they had in place, and the Pharisees did not like Jesus very much, so they wanted to come up with a trap of to see how Jesus was gonna handle the situation of the woman that was caught in adultery. And so the Pharisees found this woman, they took her, and they threw her at the feet of Jesus and they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery and committed this sin and against this law. What are you going to do about it? And it's interesting because what Jesus did in that scenario, he did something unexpected. He, he started writing in the dirt that they were, they were standing on dirt and they started writing in the ground as if they never, as if he was just completely ignoring their accusations, completely even, not even thinking about that they were even there. He just began to write those things down. And he said, those who are without sin cast the first stone. And then he began writing on the dirt some more. And one by one, each of the Pharisees, it says from the oldest to the last person, to the youngest person, left the presence of Jesus and the presence of the woman. And many theologians theorize that what Jesus was doing is he was writing the sins of the Pharisees, of the people that were accusing this woman. Um, he was writing them in the dirt for everyone to see. He was bringing those sins into the light. And the Pharisees not wanting to be convicted by the guilt or um, maybe they were even committing uh, similar crimes. Like maybe they were, some of them were even caught up in adultery themselves or maybe they were hiding a scandal of some sort. We obviously have no idea, but he was basically saying, hey, if you're without sin, then you should cast the first stone. Because if you are not without sin, then why aren't we stoning you? And what Jesus said to the woman is he said, where are your accusers? Are your accusers here? Is there anyone standing here to accuse you? And the woman said, no, they all left. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Now, of anybody in that scenario, Jesus would have been the one and the only one to have had the authority to truly cast the first stone because Jesus was without sin. You cannot have a person that is also guilty cast judgment on someone that is equally guilty themselves. And so Jesus, being the one that was without sin, said, I do not cast the first stone. I forgive you, go and sin no more. And then Jesus went out and spoke to the Pharisees and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me does not walk in darkness, but walks in the light of life. You see, I believe that when we are dealing with shame, we're dealing with our secret sin, with whatever that is, an addiction, whatever that looks like for you, maybe it's something that happened in your childhood, maybe it's an addiction, or maybe it's just something small like gossip or compulsive lying, whatever that looks like for you. We, we begin, I think we treat God as if he's the Pharisees accusing us. And we don't want somebody to cast a stone at us. And we don't want that to happen to us. And I think that's the issue with our thinking is that God is not one that is wanting to cast a stone. 
God is one that's wanting to lift us up, give us a new identity, call us into the light, call us out of the darkness and say, go and walk in the light, go and sin no more. We feel as though if G if we were to block and hide all of our shame and our sin and not even show Jesus, if we were to become numb to it and say, hey, this doesn't even exist, I'm not even gonna think about this sin, I'm not even gonna think about this shame. If we feel like as if we can hide it well enough, then it's like it doesn't exist and we become numb to it. And we're like, if it doesn't exist, then there's no chance for rejection. But that's where it gets wrong. That's where it gets wrong because we need to bring it out into the light because our God is not a God that is just waiting with a, with a stone, waiting for us to mess up. But our God is a loving father. He is waiting for us to return to him and he's waiting with open arms to call us up, to give us an invitation to something more. That's good. That's good stuff, Sean. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, the problem with hiding shame is that you are hiding yourself and you're hiding that area in your life, the opportunity for God to speak into it. And that's something that's important. We talked about how we're not supposed to avoid darkness, but instead pursue a calling of being a child of light. Instead, we're supposed to pursue being a child of light, pursue an identity, pursue a calling. And so I want to invite the band. They can come on up at this moment, and we're going to be finishing up here. And I just want to leave you guys with just a couple more thoughts. And this is what happened. This is how I got set free from my addiction to pornography. And again, this can apply to a lot of things, but this is what happened with me is because I realized the principle that God had in place for me. I realized he didn't want me to just fight pornography just to fight it or just because it was bad, but because it was robbing me of the opportunity to be called higher. It was robbing me of the opportunity to have a new name and to have a pure, a, a pure heart and a pure mind. He called me a child of light. He wants me to live as someone who is a native born to light. And when I'm living in the light with him, that means I'm vulnerable to him. I'm authentic with him. I'm, I'm being real with him. And instead of him choosing that opportunity to cast a stone at me and to cast judgment on me, when I'm opening up to him and when I'm completely vulnerable and open to whatever he wants to do, to the one person in the universe that has the authority to cast judgment on me, I was greeted with a new name. I was greeted with a pure heart. I was greeted with a freedom from addiction. And that's not always what's gonna happen with church people, right? Like we've been hurt by, I've been hurt by church people before, I've been hurt by Christians before, but our Father is different. Our Father has something more for us and he didn't reject me. In fact, he called me a friend and his son and he said, I am pure. He said, you are pure. And so now that I have this identity with inside, inside of me, that begins to change and influence everything else. Once I saw for myself who God made me to be, the chains of addiction for me fell off. In John 1, 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or observe it, absorb it and is unreceptive to it. Listen, when you bring something into the light and allow God to give you a name, there is absolutely nothing that darkness can do. There is nothing they can do. Once God gives you a name, there's nothing that can happen. There's nothing that can do about it. And I just wanna invite you to have that experience just like I had. So let's, let's all stand up tonight and we're gonna be inviting the Holy Spirit into this moment with us. 
And I just want to be respectful of this time and just honor it and just share that if this is something that you're struggling with, maybe it's as big, as bad as what I dealt with, or maybe it's much, much less, it doesn't matter to God, then I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit in your life and begin to convict you and to challenge you on that. So Holy Spirit, we invite you in. We invite you into our heart. We invite you into our mind and our, our thoughts, our emotions. We just say that you have supreme way. You have ruling over us, God. We make you Lord of our life. Jesus, we just open up to you right now. We open up to you right now, God. We just ask that you just make us children of light, just as you said you would. During this song, I want to invite that if this is something you're struggling with, so just come up front at the altar and just get on your knees and just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up as you walk in the light. I just want to invite you to do that. So let's worship.
guys. I hope this challenged you. I hope this um, revealed some things that maybe needs to be worked on. But I just want you guys to know before you leave that God is not a God of shame. He is not a God of anxiety. If, that is, if you are feeling shame or anxiety, then that's an instant indicator that that's not God and that's our enemy, that's our adversary. And But the Holy Spirit, what he does bring is he brings conviction. And conviction is different. And conviction um, challenges the sin, but set, gives us hope. It gives us peace. It gives us a way forward. And so I just want to pray that over us before we leave. So Father God, I just thank you for everything that you've done tonight. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in. I speak for your whole, holy conviction and we just cast out shame or condemnation or judgment because you are not a God of judgment. You are not a God of shame, but you are a God of conviction, of peace, of kindness, of a future of hope. And so Jesus, we just declare that over us. We just thank you for everything you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God one more shout of praise. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Listen, next week, I'm really excited because we're going to be unveiling an outreach ministry within Elevate. And so we're going to be having a panel of a few people up on stage where we're going to be talking about the future of of how we as an Elevate Youth, as Elevate Youth Church can become an outreach to our community. It's gonna be great, you guys. I really hope to see you there. Other than that, I'll see you guys tomorrow night at our packing party. You guys are dismissed. See you guys next week. <laughs>